0: In the Betamax Video Club, rewinding back to our favourite films of the 1980s. My name's Rich Nelson, and tonight I've rented Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Watching it with me is Alison Ward. Hi, Alison. How are you?
1: Hello, it's me. Yes, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm very good. Thank you for bringing this rental. How was watching it this time for you?
1: Well, I hadn't seen it for quite a few years, but I, I fondly remembered it as this wonderful 80s film by John Hughes, one of my favourite directors. And I have to say, it was a a different experience watching it as a grown-up. It really was.
0: I mean, this film came out in 1986, and it's very famous. It's almost seen as one of the iconic 80s films. As you say, John Hughes directed. It's got Matthew Broderick in the role that made him famous. There's all these scenes that we see parodied everywhere else. What was different about it this time?
1: I think I was... Opened up to the character of Ferris. I think I saw him in a different light because I remember when I was ki- when I was a kid, I just saw Ferris as like the ultimate teenager. He's got everything. He's got charm. He's good looking. Everyone loves him because he's a nerd. He's popular. The jocks love him, but actually, he is one. Oh, he's a bit of a smug bastard, isn't he? <laughs> He's got everything he wants.
0: I mean, I probably saw it the first time when I was maybe a teenager. And again, you think he's this guy that guys want to be and, and girls, if they want to be with him or not. But he's this icon where, every, you know, he's had a day off school and everyone's worried about him. And he goes off living the life of Riley, dragging along his very reluctant best friend. His ill best friend. Ill, who, from, from, at the start of the film, this guy looks like he's suffering from you know severe depression. He's struggling to get out of bed. And he's incredibly out-of-his-league girlfriend, <laughs> which is wrong. But I, I was of the opinion that this film, while I think I, I still enjoyed watching it massively, he's a knob. And his, straight from the beginning, the sort of talking to the camera, I don't know, maybe it's just me now that I'm, I'm pushing for him. I've got kids and I just hope they don't turn out like him.
1: I don't blame you, but at the same time he is quite aspirational because he is that guy that can just handle anything. He can handle anyone in any situation and he's got it all.
0: I suppose I guess a part of it is the, the teen being the hero of the film. Um, it's put it's different from before you know i suppose films would be adults against adults or kids versus kids but this is almost a kid taking on society in a way and the and supposed villain
1: he's like polar opposite of ferris and actually all the adults in this film are complete idiots aren't they the teachers are clowns and the adults are just so easily fooled by ferris and he's
0: bad acting. <laughs> his, his parents are quite funny because the first scene of the film, it's him, they've gone in to wake him up for school and he's sort of feigning illness. He's got these these clammy hands that he talks about. <laughs> I know Matthew Brodock, he's an actor, that's what he does. But, you know, when I was a kid trying to get out of school or I didn't, fa- whether I didn't fancy it or whatever, I mean, I'd have to have a head falling off for them to even consider.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I think uh, I think I once fooled my dad by putting my doll in, in my bed and I, I hid in the wardrobe and he was totally fooled by it. And I went, ah! <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't use that to any sort of effect like getting the day off school. I just wanted to frighten him. Did it work? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was well taken in. <laughs> That's acting.
0: Did you have a day off like Ferris?
1: Well. So, right, no, I didn't. And I wish I had done in hindsight. I was a good girl. I went to Catholic school. But I did once bunk off church because at school, we one time we had to go to church. And I was like, do you know what? I am not going to church. <laughs> not doing it. I hate this school and the bloody churchy stuff. So what I did was I thought, I'm going to bunk off church. The thing is, my school was in the middle of nowhere. So this is in Middlesbrough. So I came out. I came out. I snuck out. And I went for a very long walk across the field. And do you know what's at the very end of that field? Go on. Cleveland Police.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and by that time, it was time for normal class. And I, I got a bit afraid, so I, I, I snuck back in. But I did miss church.
0: Ah, so you, you won, really?
1: I think I won. (laughs) And I once bunked off work. Uh, I shouldn't really say this, actually. probably getting fired. But the one time I pulled a sickie at work, I got caught. And do you know where I was?
0: Oh, where?
1: The Royal Albert Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Whose boss catches you taking a sickie at the Royal Albert Hall?
0: That sounds cultured.
1: So I am not ferris i am ferris's sister who always gets caught
0: <laughs> well ferris's sister in this um we've already covered in um she's baby from dirty dancing isn't she yeah. um jennifer yeah. gray she doesn't have a huge amount to do in the film until perhaps the sort of, the latter third but she really you know she's a very different character from from baby anyway and she's is she Ferris's older or younger sister? I wasn't sure.
1: I think she's I think she's the oldest sister because she gets a car for her birthday, doesn't she? Right. And Ferris only gets a computer. Boo hoo.
0: Computers back then were probably worth more than cars. Well
1: that's probably true. But I guess maybe the car was a bit more I don't know. Yeah more to do
0: eh? i I think so but then i I did see something that apparently the the synthesizer he had this is one of these silly imdb things was worth (laughs) eight thousand dollars when it came out which is pretty impressive really if he's got that in his bedroom
1: that is because he is one entitled wealthy little shit yes who doesn't need a day off
0: he looks like the sort of person and i'm Judging completely by the acts on his day off, he goes to Chicago, goes to museums and snooty restaurants and baseball. That's probably the sort of stuff he does on a normal Saturday.
1: Yeah, probably. I know who goes to the richest richest restaurant in town with with daddy's mummy. Mummy? Daddy's (laughs) (laughs) money.
0: Of course, it turns out that daddy's actually there at the time, isn't he?
1: Yes, much comedic effect.
0: Yes, one of the iconic bits of the film doesn't actually feature Broderick or the um, former actor. I'll call him um, Jeffrey Jones. Uh, mm. we're, we're going to his um, personal oh. life a bit later on, but the um, it's the teacher saying, calling his name out of registration: like, Bueller, 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 Bueller.
1: Oh, wonderful.
0: <laughs> apparently that guy's an actual economics teacher.
1: I know. I was reading about this and this kind of started his acting career because apparently he got he got the, the job because of he was um I think he was an advisor to uh, Nixon and through various connections, John Hughes thought, ah, he would he would be perfect as a teacher in this film. <laughs> and the whole kind of economics lecture that he does in this section he was just like improvising he didn't know I think they decided to to keep it in because it was it it was just so funny and it's because he doesn't know how funny he sounds and he thought they were clapping because it was a good lecture but actually it's because it it was so funny (laughs) and he said it was the best day of his life and that's sweet
0: (laughs) I suppose it's one of those things you've got to be kind of um, and maybe not I I know you you do comedy and comedy acting but i suppose partly if, if you don't even realize you're funny that's almost as funny in itself
1: oh that's quite rare see <laughs> i think the funniest person i know is my mum and that she doesn't know she's so funny it's mainly because she's quite deaf and misses everything but it, it's quite a gem and he is a gem that guy
0: yeah now part of ferris's act is that he's uh I mean, he's so ill that he needs a kidney transplant and everything else. Uh, the the kids around school are rallying, collecting change to pay for this supposed kidney transplant. Meanwhile, he has managed to convince his very ill friend, Cameron, to come and to join him for his day out. Cameron is an odd character. I mean, look, looking past the obvious mental health issues he's i think he lives with his dad doesn't he in this sort of very flash place with with a garage attached and all these rich cars and yet he's absolutely petrified of the old man
1: yeah actually i think cameron is the probably the most interesting character in in the whole film and really he's the only person where we actually get to see some of ferris's humanity you start to see past that superficial behaviour because really although at first I thought oh, it's, it's so selfish of him to drag Cameron out of bed when he's clearly ill I think he he wants to show Cameron what he's missing out of on life and it must be um really difficult I think at that age being a teenager especially when you're about to move out and go to college and be so under the rule of your father and this is where john hughes is really excellent at capturing those moments in adolescence and it really comes through with cameron less so in any of the other characters who are fairly superficial
0: i think it seems like cameron's the the only character really that that changes and i know it's this film is set within a day and it's like you know how much can one person change during a day but like you touched upon how he's the only person who Ferris's actions really have an impact on. Ferris can do whatever he wants and seemingly get away with it. And yet we get the part where they borrow Cameron's dad's Ferrari, which then goes off on a little adventure of its own. <laughs> All the parts where Cameron, despite being very much the sort of accessory with the the phone call to the school asking <laughs> for... <if, laughs> the is, worst
1: impression ever.
0: <laughs> this is Mr. <laughs> just fat. Ed Rooney. Ed, this is George Peterson. How are you today, sir? Well, we've had a bit of bad luck this morning, as you may have heard. Yeah, I heard, and oh, I'm all broken up. Boy, what a blow. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's been a tough morning, and uh, we've got a lot of family business to take care of, so if you wouldn't mind excusing Sloan... I'd uh, appreciate it. Uh, uh sure, no, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, you, uh, you, you just produce a corpse, and uh, I'll release Sloane. So they manage to convince the school because he acts as uh, Sloane, the girlfriend, the most eighties American girl name. Manages to convince them to let her out, saying that her grandma's died.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Again, and the awkward scene where uh, the Mister Rooney stood on the steps trying to comfort her.
1: Oh, that's so awkward. I mean, that's typical creepy man in his position, not knowing how to behave around youngsters. We've all had teachers like that.
0: <laughs> now, I'll get it out of the way now because people probably know, but the guy, the actor who plays Mr. J- Mr. Rooney, who popped up in several films in the 80s, in 2002 he was arrested for possession of child pornography and accused of soliciting a 14-year-old boy. Now, mm. with the benefit of hindsight, this is fucking creepy, isn't it?
1: Horrible, isn't it? I actually, I didn't know about that until I was reading up on the film um, af- after I re-watched it yesterday. And when I read that, it just... Uh... And and like so many of these actors that you you find out about, and you you just, your heart just crumbled, and it really sp- spoils your memories of those fond memories of those films especially as he's so wonderful in this like he really makes that character because actually he doesn't have he doesn't have that many lines a lot of his lines aren't actually that funny it's his reactions and just he he's so good to just at just doing that deadpan expression and his googly eyes and and then to, to read about that it's just Pretty good, actually.
0: Now, as I mentioned, the um the the girlfriend Sloane, she's a different. Well, I mean, this this sounds like I'm objectifying, but Ferris is punching above his weight here. But the, the one thing I did notice was that the ages of the actors playing the three sort of kids. Yeah. So she, yeah. so she's eighteen playing yeah. a seventeen-year-old, which seems perfectly reasonable. Um, Matthew Broderick is twenty-three, playing an eighteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's all right. It's not too bad because, I mean... He looks about 12. And, and to be fair, I saw him quite recently on, I think, a Jerry Seinfeld show and he still looked...
1: Looks the same, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he has an age. <laughs> now, the guy who played Cameron was 29.
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I was a bit surprised by that because he definitely doesn't look 29. Um, but I guess, I think from his perspective he was probably thinking how can i how can i empathize with this character i have no idea how teenagers act now i'm like more than 10 years older than this character but in a sense that kind of works because cameron doesn't know what the hell he's doing so it doesn't really matter that he is older that's that's my rationale because he plays it so well
0: i think the chemistry between the three and and the sort of different pairs within that three as well, because he has a couple of scenes with Sloane. It's not just sort of Ferris and him and Ferris and the girlfriend. It's when the scene with the parade, where Ferris is off doing his thing in front of thousands of people. They start chatting, and Cameron does sort of open up a bit, doesn't he? Sort of saying like, "Oh, well, you know, this is Ferris. He he does what he wants, and he he kind of seems like almost the straight man, but he does change a lot throughout the film, which we've already discussed."
1: He does have, he has the the depth that the other characters are lacking. I think um, Sloane's character is, I mean, she's, I reckon John Hughes writes pretty well for women generally, considering it was the 80s. Um, And there's some fantastic performances from Molly Ringwald and uh, like The Breakfast Club. Um, And all of his other films in the eighties. Um, g- generally, I, I I like the way he writes women, but in this film, all the women, the female characters, are pretty crap. Like Sloane is there to be eye candy. She hasn't got that many lines. She she's there to to look pretty, to to flirt, to to listen, to be I don't know like the. Uh, the maternal figure, perhaps, and at the end, I think she says, I'm going to marry him.
0: It's yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because even the part where she's almost there to ground Ferris in some sort of reality, the bit where they're at the trading hall and he says, Oh, we should get married, and she has to kind of be the sensible one just to bring him back a little bit, saying, Well, how's that going to work? We're you know, we're 18 or she's 17, and yeah. it's, it's and as you say, when you go back to some of John Hughes' other films, and I know there was talk that Molly Ringwald was going to be in this, but I mean, some of the actors there and some of the roles he's done, and yet this, the the female actors in this seem almost quite generic. You've got yeah the secretary, who's good comic relief for yeah Mr. Rooney, but again, she's she's just there as a sort of comic sidekick. The mum, who she's very soft for Ferris and very hard on the daughter, and maybe there's yeah, a
1: bit else. too dimensional, are
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, maybe this is John Hughes' attempt at doing something a bit different, and and it does work. I mean, it is a very different film from, I don't know, even Weird Science, I think, was the one he did before this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's th- this film, it doesn't have the depth of his other films. I think that was quite obvious. Um, but it is just so much fun the the set pieces and everything that he packs into a day and it's it, it's almost a a perfect film for so many people just because like everyone would want a day like that
0: yeah. and it's not even a, from that point of view it could be an adult and I just sort of think well if I had a day off like let's say I'm off work today and same thing I took the dog out for a walk. Did some bits around the house. Uh, might pop to the shop later. It's um, it's hardly glamorous. I'm I'm not really taking advantage of the opportunities that Ferris has provided.
1: Yeah, well, that's why we hate him because essentially <laughs> we are jealous.
0: That is part of the reason. I'm not going to lie. Although <laughs> although I do have a car. So. Now, one theory I heard a couple of years ago that kind of stuck in my head that this film was almost like a precursor to Fight Club. Oh, no. <laughs> well the the theory that Ferris is almost seen as a figment of Cameron's imagination um mm. and that the whole character of Ferris is there to to bring Cameron out um it's like the Brad Pitt who is Edward Norton, I suppose, and i mean would would that be the sort of thing that they were thinking of, or is that just a bit too far fetched
1: ah uh, no i think I think it's fun to maybe have that comparison just because when, when, when you look back on the film, oh, actually, I can see why we think that. Um, <laughs> but then, well, why is Ferris talking to the camera? So he's talking to us. Hmm. But, oh, it just doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> and also it ruins it for me. It makes uh, it really dark.
0: We don't want that in films, do we? No, uh,
1: no. Keep to the comedy. <laughs> nice light
0: film. One thing, and one part that did make Ferris look like a child was when the part where they go to the garage with the car for the first time and it reminded me of a bit like from the in or something where he's trying to reassure Cameron that these parking attendants aren't going to sort of trash his car or drive off with it and he sort of says oh well I'll give him a fiver and he, he almost reminded me of Will from the in-betweeners. We were sort of trying to play the adult and, and just got very silly. But he, he wasn't quite so cautious there because he immediately got the parking attendant off on the wrong foot by saying, do you speak English?
1: English, yeah. Oh, do what? Oh, prejudice there, honestly.
0: Just because he's got long hair and a moustache.
1: Yeah, and see, that's why I find it really hard to to warm to, to Ferris throughout the whole film. It's only towards the end where I start to see something good in him.
0: <laughs> and from there, they, they go to the restaurant. Which is a typical sort of thing where it's that sort of classy classy and class war. I wouldn't
1: know. I've never been to one before.
0: Well, no, I think the classiest I've been to is a Wimpy because they give you cutlery, don't they?
1: Wimpy. I don't think I've been to a Wimpy before. Really? Too posh for the likes of me. Uh,
0: a friend of mine, his, um, he remembers when he was a kid, sort of in the 80s, and saying that they used to go to Wimpy and then a McDonald's opened in Watford or something uh-huh. what something like that. And then um they, his dad took in there and he says where's why doesn't it come on a plate? You know, because that's what we oh. used to win beer. it comes on a plate. Yeah. Right
1: of little chef.
0: Oh god, no, no, I'm not having that. They they banned truckers when my dad was driving a truck, so no little chef. No no is it Olympic breakfast? Is that what they do?
1: Don't remember, but I know that um went to a a little chef when I was a kid and I was sat next I was in between my Brother and my sister in our little Vauxhall Nova, and my brother threw up after the little chef because he had the big burger. <laughs> oh.
0: God, they were the never. ones. They were the ones like Happy Eater where they'd have a little like, adventure playground in there as well, didn't they? Did there?
1: Yeah. Like a wacky warehouse.
0: Oh yeah, I, I I never went to one. I think my brother did, but bloody hell! Oh, luxury, luxury, adventure playground, and cheap food, and. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine working
1: there,
0: <laughs> but this restaurant, posh as whatever. The maitre d' who I thought was basically a life-size version of Beavis, Beavis and <laughs> but, that very sort of angular, pointy face.
1: The best raised eyebrow of all time. Oh <laughs> no!
0: Congratulate that eyebrow. And just that sneer when they turn up. Ferris does the old trick of looking at the um, reservations and sort of blagging one. But it turns out that he, while claiming that he's Abe Froman, is apparently the Sausage King of Chicago. Which, yes. Is that a nickname you want?
1: Um, <laughs> I personally would not want that <laughs> Well, what an excellent nickname it is. Yes. It sounds very rich.
0: Posh. Um, yeah. Sausage full. I suppose, that is that an American version of Bernard Matthews? turkey king know. of norwich
1: when you put it like that it doesn't sound fancy at all, it's not it? it's
0: not as glamorous is it no <laughs> but they do manage to to get their posh table after again cameron pretends to be is it detective peterson of the police when oh, he... <laughs> so thick these
1: these adults
0: <laughs> i think maybe that's the point you know the, the children are the future and, and look where they've got us
1: yeah Although I do, I do enjoy this guy. He's got a sort of Basil, faulty quality.
0: Yeah, he, he sort of becomes very snivelling once he realises, or once he gets yeah. duped anyway.
1: But that's it. It's all about the confidence, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, and even then, you know, halfway through the, I suppose it is a con or a scam, when both Sloan and Cameron are trying to speak to Ferris, saying, oh, look, you know, we've, we've gone too far. Let's, uh, let's head off. And he's like, no, no, I, it's my day off. It's my film. I do what I want. He's addicted. Yeah, he's a dick. But...
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> Funny, I, when I mentioned that I was watching this film on Twitter and I got all this love for the film, everyone's, oh, it's such a classic, perfect film and everything else. I thought, well, yeah, it is. But has there ever yeah. been a film so widely loved? And maybe it is just us or people of a certain, you know, who aren't kids who think that the film's brilliant. But for the leading actor being a complete dick.
1: Yeah, but there's also some enjoyment in that too. Because if he wasn't a dick, would that film been as fun?
0: It could have been Cameron's day off, and it could have been him wallowing in bed watching Jeremy Kyle. Yeah, sounds
1: like I don't
0: know. Straight to- <laughs> big brother yeah. reality TV. Straight to that would I think that would be straight to video no i wouldn't watch that no No. so while they're off there's one scene where uh rooney goes to a diner or a restaurant and thinks he catches ferris it turns out to be a girl Um, it's a
1: lady
0: it's a lady with a man's haircut 80s
1: 80s haircut
0: oh the japes hilarity ensues when she spits in his face good but at least his face kind of it had that deadpan of i know what's coming now
1: yeah, yeah. What a wally!
0: Yeah, I I deserve what's coming to me. Ah, here we go. Yeah, fair do. <laughs> and the part where he goes and speaks to the 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 chef at, or whatever the cook at the restaurant. Um, there's a baseball game in the background, and of course the the kids are at the baseball game, just lurk yeah. lurking there. It's I, I guess it was sort of well done that it would have been too easy for Rooney to have seen that.
1: Yeah, too too soon in the film. I like that he's still a bit sort of 50-50. I think he he, he knows that uh, Ferris is bunking off, but he's got no proof yet.
0: Well, no, because the only proof he had was the computer screen that said this was his ninth absence of the term, and Ferris managed to hack in with his birthday present uh, and change it to (laughs) two or three or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but he could never prove that. He wants to catch him red-handed. Yeah.
0: So then he goes to the house. While everyone's at work or at school, he sneaks around to the house. The usual slightly comical attempts to either look through the window, um, he presses the doorbell that's got the automatic recording. Um, and th- we suddenly learn that they have a dog. And, it, <laughs> and it's a very big dog.
1: It's a big dog with a big dog flap. That sounds wrong. <laughs> I, I could easily break in there. I'm quite, I'm very small. But I would get eaten by the dog.
0: I mean, that's a a big Rottweiler. And um, I know, you know, I I mean, I've met Rottweilers who are lovely. But um, there's no mention of the dog. There's no hint that a dog lives there up till now. So I suppose at least it gives the viewer the element (laughs) of surprise as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a nice added level. But can I just say how stupid Rooney is? Because he presses the doorbell twice um, and... Obviously, Ferris says the same thing because it's a recorded message. How does he think that Ferris is still in that house? Yeah. Obviously, he's he's done that recorded message because c- he's buggered off for the day. Honestly, this guy deserves to be eaten by that dog. <laughs> um,
0: and the point is a little bit later on that when the sister gets home, she rumbles Ferris because she goes into the bedroom and realises that um, he's actually put a dummy, who looks like one of those sort of C- <laughs> CPR resuscitation dummies, in the bed, and so she's in the house because she's trying to rumble him as well, because she's fed up of everyone saying save Ferris and all the posters and the everything else. <laughs> uh, of course, she bumps into Rooney and um, yeah. <laughs> gives him a good old kick in the face.
1: This is great, yeah, and I love the way she she runs up up the stairs in in, in terror Um, because you know i really feel for her because no one believes her no you know i had this relationship with my brother i think it's really great how john hughes Showed this sort of love hate relationship between siblings because I definitely had this with my brother, and I hate him, but you know I love him really. You just don't tell him. And you know, one time my brother infuriated me so much, I actually threw a remote control at his head, (laughs) and it caused blood. And I was absolutely horrified. But no one can wind you up like a brother. I'm telling you now.
0: I have two younger brothers and the the one in particular who was closest to me, we uh, we had, sort of, yeah, there were stitches at some point and all sorts. Yeah, Definitely a love-hate relationship there.
1: But I do really feel sorry for Jeannie because no one believes her that there's an intruder in the house. She calls the police. She's clearly frightened and the police don't believe her and, like, bring her into the police station. How harsh is that?
0: It particularly, I mean, I suppose it didn't help if she phoned up saying, I'm very cute, but I'm very afraid.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, you've got a point there. Lessens the, the impact <laughs> of <what> she's reporting. <laughs> I,
0: mean, I mean, these days you'd have to go some to get any sort of wasting police time. But uh, she, um, yeah, she, I mean, bear in mind she was in the house with what we later realised is an actual sex offender. Oh, um, It's vic- victim shaming.
1: Mm. Oh, it took a whole different meaning when you put it like that.
0: I I mean, I I do hope John Hughes didn't realise that
1: at the time. I'm sure he didn't. No.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. One bit we did skip over was where they have gone off to the museum and that bit where Cameron starts staring at that painting, (laughs) which I've seen a few times in even things like Family Guy and stuff, and the part (laughs) where they get stuck in the cab, and, of course, as you mentioned, ferris's dad is in one cab they pull up next to him and you think he's seen his son or he's been near his son a a few times throughout the day and not not noticed now i'm assuming that ferris hasn't taken the girlfriend home at any point to meet the parents Mm. because when she starts sort of flirting with him the dad in the car i mean that's a bit weird because he's probably what three times her age
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, it's a bit, a bit creepy. Although, to be fair to him, he's a bit, he's a bit more like surprised than yeah, flirting back.
0: Yeah, because she, I mean, she's really laying it on, and he's got this sort of awkward. Uh, <laughs> I read my paper.
1: Yeah, that's how my dad would react. Take <laughs> <Like>, not me.
0: <laughs> just just they're going. Oh, thank God, it's not a nudie mag I'm reading or anything like that. <laughs> but then they end up going to the parade nearby which was yeah. probably the the biggest sort of set piece in the film
1: yeah yeah that was a lot of extras
0: yeah i mean i, I didn't realize you know why ferris was on the float with the G- german looking ladies in the lederhosen and it was all well, very yeah
1: i think um he wanted to cheer up cameron didn't he so he wanted to make him laugh so he's done this song, which is a bit stupid. I think it's like an in-joke for like John Hughes. I think he hated that song, so he wanted Ferris to sing it. Okay. Um. So that's why I think this whole scene played out. But again, he makes it all about himself, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Ferris. I I'm the star. Look at me.
1: Yeah. But on the other hand, you see how like Ferris inspires joy in others because everyone. It gets everyone together and dancing, and there's one big street party. And as much as I think he is a dick, he did inspire that in other people.
0: Well, the um, the part with the builders, I, I think was that was a sort of that wasn't a planned thing, was it? They were actually sort of there while they were filming, and they put them, that in. Then dancing. And, um, oh, right, right, right. Um, mm. And some of the, uh, I mean, I suppose it's, this we sort of suspend reality when. You get the choreographed people singing along. It was impressive though, the way they did it. I suppose this must have been a, a real street that they've shut down to do it, or a real parade that they've hijacked. Yeah, I do, I love that
1: bit in the film. It's really, it's quite memorable isn't it? With uh, the people,
0: and... really good. I wonder if um, maybe next year they'll do something similar at Notting Hill. Some entitled little ship will <laughs> jump up on one of the carnival floats in front of the judging probably a Yeah,
1: well, I think uh, in the current climate, I don't think it'll get very far.
0: Nah, it be some idiot out of Made in Chelsea jumping up singing something by Boyzone or something.
1: Oh, that's such a horrible image. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> oh, Boyzone as well.
0: Mm, it could be Westlife and they could all get up off their stools at the keychain.
1: Yeah, and dress in white.
0: Ooh. Uh, Let's get back to the film quick. Back to the film, back to the film. Um, so Jeannie's taken to the police station where she meets, who may be the love of her life in one of his finest acting performances, uh, young oh. Charlie Sheen.
1: Oh, and isn't he a dish? <laughs> oh, all that hair and he's a rebel without a card. Mm, in that leather jacket. And he he's a, a druggie and he's got red eyes and... He's like probably just playing himself. To
0: be fair, <laughs> hashtag winning. He looks like something out of Twilight.
1: He does, yeah. I mean, what, what, what is his hair doing?
0: Yeah, there must be some
1: that, that hair. I hope that hair got a credit. That's
0: <laughs> some powerful gear he's on. <laughs> and the weird thing is, we probably know he's not even acting.
1: I know, just improv, isn't it? He just rolled out of bed like that.
0: It's funny though, like he gives Genie this sort of speech that. I, and I guess this is the point, you know, you don't expect your drug adult youth at the Nick to give the sort of Yoda-style idea, you know, saying, you know, why are you worried about your brother so much? You know, you should be concentrating on yourself and uh, the sort of head pat patronizing, you should wear less eye makeup.
1: Well, see, I've got an issue with that because she is not wearing much eye makeup at all. And he, he says that it makes, well, he pretty much says it makes her look like a whore. Yeah. How horrible is that what a horrible thing to say and then she ends up getting off with him
0: is this like I mean I'm not down with kids today like but is that gaslighting or is that negging or something like that
1: um it's been an arsehole I think yeah
0: it's kind of like I'm gonna say something mean so that you'll think I'm brilliant
1: yeah it it's quite it's quite sad isn't it but I guess that was that was the 80s
0: Mm, that was Charlie Sheen
1: yeah, that was Charlie Sheen, and it's, it's a bit sad because, like, with the character of Jeannie, she's the one who's really. She, she knows her brother, and yeah, he's got a point she should think more about herself and less hate on her brother, but she has been hard done by. And the fact that she basically gets told she looks like a whore, gets off with this guy, and then goes all in, ah, 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 ah. like, I would expect more (laughs) because she was to this point she was the only person apart from Rooney who saw through um, Ferris and isn't convinced by him but as we know at the end she well she changes her mind
0: and this again kind of goes against the whole thing in from when we talked about Dirty Dancing where that film you know it was about her being a strong Character woman, woman who inspired Patrick Swayze to, you know, not be this sort of piece of meat and all that stuff, um, and and went for everything she did there. But in this, it was kind of, ooh, a a drug user has fluttered his red eyes at me.
1: Well, I suppose she is a teenager. We've all made those mistakes. I mean, I I think when I was her age, I was at a Halloween party, a college Halloween party, and and I was dressed as Morticia, and I kissed a boy, and I really, really liked him. And he was a bad boy. And the next day, I saw him at college, and he completely blanked me. like He, he ignored me completely, and I tried to talk to him, and I plucked up the courage because I was so shy. And he still com- he completely dismissed me, and he was a very spotty person. So he was from that point on known as Scabie's boy.
0: <laughs> Men are pricks.
1: So we've all been there. She'll learn. She'll learn. She
0: will. She'll grow up. Um, of course, in real life, she was going out with Ferris or Broderick at the was time. Was she? Yeah. Apparently, I didn't know that. apparently they got engaged afterwards.
1: Oh can't
0: keep up I mean that's that's weird I suppose that's one of those things was was it Dexter I think that show where the actor who was Dexter got married to the actress who played his sister because that's
1: of it. acting they yeah. do the acting yeah, yeah but
0: it's an odd relationship isn't it if you you're acting as a sibling I don't know I'm not, I'm not an actor I don't know well, I played Joseph in the no. nativity play but did he have a brother From
1: oh sister. I tried to be Joseph
0: Reverse oh no that
1: was Joseph <laughs> in the in the musical no? <laughs> No, I was Benjamin
0: and Joseph, anyway. I had I had sheep, not a flashy coloured coat. And a, and a child that wasn't mine. That's, that's another story. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Immaculate conception, my jimic- If only someone had written a book. Anyway, so um, the car, they get the car back at the garage, this pristine Ferrari that Cameron's dad has apparently spent years restoring. It's got all these miles on the clock and there and this is where ferris becomes putting that into almost a used car salesman shtick where he's like oh we'll just uh just stick it in reverse and knock the miles off mm-hmm. and that's almost a dell trick
1: yeah i think uh, the thing in uh, matilda does that yeah Dad uh, <laughs> <that's> wormwood <laughs>
0: um and of course like most sensible people realize you can't actually do that they don't realise for quite some time. This is at the point I think they've somewhat damaged the environment by putting the the car in reverse in the garage. And so Cameron has a bit of a rant. No, this is he's gone. The, he's had the, the fit first, hasn't he? He's had the yeah, sort of he's catatonic. Catatonic. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's got an estate first. Yeah. So their idea of fixing him is to put him on a chair on a diving board above the pool that everyone has, while Ferris and Sloane sit in the jacuzzi.
1: Yeah, it's all right for some, isn't it?
0: I think it's a slightly dangerous thing to do. If uh, so, Cameron's on a chair; he falls off into the water, and yet they don't exactly rush to get him.
1: No, they take a few moments to enjoy the bubbles a bit more, don't they?
0: Enjoy the bubbles, and and then basically, Sloane <laughs> accuses him of perving. Yeah, filth. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, but I guess the, this this is a uh, Cameron playing a little trick on, Paris. yeah. It does work. And it's one of the rare times that actually someone has got the better of Ferris. Yeah. And actually you see, oh, he does care for people more than himself occasionally when their life is in danger.
0: I think this is, you know, one of the things that makes Ferris realise that there are occasionally consequences. And of course, Cameron, while putting it on, might have died, which might have given Ferris a pang of guilt probably would have taken a day off at the funeral
1: yes and and this is where i think you start to well i start to warm to ferris a little bit more and it's more kind of in this scene when you you hear more about cameron's uh backstory with his his dad his controlling dad
0: Um, and maybe this is where the theory of ferris and cameron being one person comes out
1: i think it is you know yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> when they go back to the car and realise that they can't reverse the co- um, Cameron gives it a good old kick in to the point that it f- rolls out the window. But Ferris, at that point, sort of says, "Oh, well, maybe I'll own out to it," you know. And, and Cameron is basically covering for his mate. And of course, he could have said no, and that that was the whole point was he was saying, you know, I, I could have stopped Ferris Bueller as though he's some sort of invincible overlord. But it, yeah, it was only then that ferris kind of thought mm, maybe i should own up to this
1: exactly yeah and you do get some sincerity from ferris that actually he he does care for his friend and he knows that cameron has a worse life than he does he could he's a very he's got a good life as ferris you know he doesn't need a day off he's he's got this lovely family it would seem okay a ferocious dog but he's rich um he's got he hasn't got a care in the world so it's really nice at this point to see ferris go actually i'll take the blame i don't mind if it'll make things better for you
0: he's entitled and he's got a room full of technology but i didn't see any boobs on his wall
1: i tell you what i did see on his wall do you know who he's got a poster of i think it's this guy And it's someone else who's also very entitled and used to getting what he wants.
0: Oh, who's that? Henry VIII. Oh.
1: I think so, anyway. Someone's going to tell me I'm totally wrong. It's like some, I don't know, Tudor painting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's the only one I could name. But I did see the the Union flag on on his door. Maybe there's some sort of British thing. And there there was a Simple Minds poster. Yeah. Which is another John Hughes link. But yeah, I didn't see any posters of ladies. Although he was doing one on his MS Paint on his computer, wasn't he?
1: Well, I guess I guess he's trying to keep it quite innocent and clean. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's um, but then that just looked like he was doing the the painting from Titanic on that pic, on that computer. <laughs> In eight bit, the dirty fucker. <laughs> but um, yeah. So once um, so Fer- Ferris has kind of thought, right? I need to get home. Um, and this is where the sort of the Jake, the peril at the end of it comes in. Everyone's rushing home. Um, the dad sort of completely absent-mindedly drives home, uh, almost hits Ferris. Jeannie almost hits Ferris while she's got the mum in the car screaming at her. Um, and Rooney comes back to the house, and this is where Jeannie, maybe taking Charlie Sheen's sage advice on board, suddenly owns up to Ferris or warms to him and, and stands up for him. Sorry. When Rooney turns up, and then she, she, it turns out she picked up his wallet that he dropped in the floor while he was luckily not doing anything nasty to her.
1: I like that because it's almost like Genie has the last laugh. Because because really, with with Rooney, I almost want him to catch Ferris. It's like um, Wily Coyote and Rod. <laughs> you, know what I, I hate Rod. Like. Bloody meat, meat, sauce mug so i mean he's got that lovely blue plumage he's mega fast he's elite i just want coyote to just crush him and that's what i feel about rooney only thing is he's so stupid Mm. and he poisons that dog he could have killed that dog which i i know he's a vicious dog but he was only doing his his job is a good guard. A, a
0: beloved family pet.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. And I I think Rooney deserves everything he gets.
0: I think so. I mean, he's lucky that he only gets his car towed and his suit ruined and has to get the school bus back with the nerds at the end.
1: Oh, it's, oh, it's lovely. It, it's just his face and his eyes. There's there's moments with, um, with Rooney's character where he doesn't say anything. He just he just does something and it's like he'll he'll be looking through the the keyhole and you just see this big eye and then it narrows and i just love that
0: i mean one bit we didn't talk about in the beginning was the bit where cameron is pretending to be sloane's dad speaking to rooney and rooney thinks it's beulah and then ferris phones on the other line and that face because he'd been tearing him a new one hadn't he Oh, it's
1: a lovely film. Oh, it's glorious. Uh,
0: he's just this sort of, he's this stooge who needs his comeuppance for the whole film.
1: He does. And he is like the devil when you look at him. I mean, he's got like red hair and he's got these strong features. He's really tall and he's got this imposing physicality. And hes he should he should have a tail with a whatchamacallit. <laughs> watching a What is it? The tail, the devil's tail. Oh, the little spot.
0: spot. <laughs> he's carrying a trident. He's got a little spike on his tail, hasn't he? Yeah,
1: nice. spiky tail thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe he got the trident from Acme.
1: Yes, he's like a cartoon villain.
0: <laughs> and, of course, all is back to normal. Uh, Ferris sneaks back into bed. His loving parents, you know, oh, let me bring you some soup. Oh. And, ugh, he's learned nothing.
1: Yes, and that baby thing he does, how
0: irritating.
1: Ugh. I mean, he acts like a big baby. And we're all like, I love Ferris, he's a baby.
0: If that dad had any backbone, he'd be a bit more like full metal jacket and maybe just dunk his head in the toilet or something, just to sort of make him grow up a little bit. No, yeah. None of this.
1: I know, but then we wouldn't have had such a fun film.
0: <laughs> yeah, if only drowned Ferris at birth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If only. And then we get that iconic quote at the end again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it.
1: I mean, there is truth to that. I mean, yes, live your life. That is a good way to, to go about living life is to... Live your life, thanks for that
0: but why could why does he have to do it? I mean he's got responsibilities he's got his education, this is what school holidays are for this is what weekends are for
1: well, yeah, I mean it's all very well to go and go and say um uh, go go crazy once in a while and ha- have take a day off, but it's all very well when you're as wealthy as he is and doesn't have any real baggage You've got everything you want um yeah, as I said it earlier on in the podcast. We're all just—well, I am—just jealous of him. I want to be him.
0: <laughs> and we've all learned something because now you want to be him. He's no longer a knob.
1: Oh no, because then I'll be a bit of a knob. No, I don't want to be him.
0: No, just we'll we'll just think of him as Scabies Boy.
1: Ah, oh, Scabies Boy, I hate him so much. er,
0: But maybe Scabies Boy would be one of the weirdos on the bus at the end that Rooney has to get on.
1: Oh yeah. The girl with yeah.
0: the Deirdre Barlow. Glasses and
1: oh, that's right, see all the women in this they're either naggy, floozy or grandmother behind the wheel, old granny driver, bossy, frumpy secretary, a big nerd, yeah, <laughs> but you know what it's it's such an enjoyable film,
0: yeah, and you know while Ferris isn't the be all and end all, and it is his day off, but ultimately. You know, it, it was a, it was good fun, and you know, if we ignore Rooney's behaviour later on, you know, he was the villain, and in most films, we do kind of remember the villain more fondly.
1: Yeah, I don't know how fond I am of him because he was mean to the dog. Yes, but he was very funny.
0: I mean, that made it lose his points. I think that's. Uh, I, I should start keeping a score of all the things people have done bad things to animals.
1: Yes, this is very important.
0: Frick. <laughs> Anyway, that's Ferris Bueller. Our day off our day off is nearly finished.
1: I know. I mean, my day off is going to include um, I need to empty my cat's litter tray. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Couldn't you get your imaginary friend to do it?
1: No, you're ruining it. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I've got to probably cut the grass and pick my daughter up from Childminder as long as she's not at the police station with um, the next Charlie Sheen. Oh. I won't stand for it. No. No. But she's not a teen she's not a teenager yet, thankfully. Well, not
1: yet. But you wait and see.
0: Well, she's only two, but um we'll see. Yeah. She's There's
1: time yet. The children are getting younger these days. She's gobby. Well, there you go then. That's how it starts. <laughs> gobby.
0: Yes. Anyway. Alison, thank you very much for bringing this copy of Ferris Bueller. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. And before we rewind it and take it back, do you want to tell us something about your project with Johnny Roberts, The Secret Garden?
1: Oh, yes. So um, I... I am working with the delightful Johnny Roberts who co-created BBC Three's Big Field. Uh, so we make online sketches and you can follow us at the um what we're called the Secret Garden, but that name was taken on Twitter. So <laughs> we're called at Unsecret Garden. Yay.
0: I tried to think the account that would have taken the secret garden.
1: There were so many versions of the secret garden
0: you um yeah, so you put sort of video um videos online, don't you, of, of your sketches and
1: Yeah, we do online sketches. We're we're writing a, a longer form thing. Um so yeah, come come and say hello.
0: And I also understand you've you're in the new Johnny English film.
1: Ha <laughs> right, okay. So yes, I am in the new Johnny English film for one second. Eh? Eh? Enjoy my one second appearance.
0: But at least you probably come out of it in more credit than Rowan Atkinson.
1: I wouldn't say that. He is a hero of mine, comedy legend. Um, But yes, that one second is just obviously steals the entire film.
0: But um, it's good. (laughs) It's good though. is the film any good?
1: Um, Well, I thought it was good fun, but I know the uh, the reviews haven't been so favourable. But eh.
0: I haven't seen any reviews. I haven't seen the first. This is the third film, isn't it? The new one. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the previous one, so I'll uh, I'll watch it.
1: It's very similar. Yeah, okay.
0: Watch it with an open mind.
1: Yeah. Ah, Yeah.
0: Look forward to it. Anyway, well, I shall link to that um, on the podcast and your own Twitter is It's Alison Ward. That's me. It is, yes. Okay, brilliant. Um, Now, as per usual, I'll finish the podcast with a song that was number one in the charts when this film came out. This came out in the UK, 13th of February 1987, and it was I Knew You Were Waiting For Me by Reefer Franklin and George Michael. Sad. Aww. Oh, okay. On that happy note, um, Alison, thank you very much for coming along. Thank you, thanks very much. Well, my pleasure, and thanks for the Bye bye. Bye bye. i way this podcast is part of BritPodScene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more.